everyone. This is the Frankly Daniel Show, and yes, I'm the Daniel in the Frankly part of this enterprise. Once again, it's my weekly exercise of our First Amendment rights. Now, whether you're new to the Frankly Daniel Show or a long-time listener, I want to welcome you and thank you for joining me today. It's an honor to be here today with you. I thought this week I'd start off with the Joe Biden gaffe of the week. Now, as you can imagine, there's quite a competition or Joe's gaffe of the week, and there's never any shortage of material to choose from. So here's my pick of the week. Joe Biden just recently said, quote, heck, more than half the people in my cabinet are women, and even more than half the women in my administration are also women. How about that? (laughs) I don't know if Joe was counting transgenders in that count of women. He probably was. Now, I I find this gaffe particularly confusing, given that Joe's only black female nominee to the Supreme Court, Associate Justice uh, Kentonji Brown-Jackson, as you may have heard or remember, can't give a definition of what a woman is. But I don't think that's Joe's problem. Given what Joe said in his most recent gaffe, in conjunction with the vast array of women's hair, Joe has sniffed through the years. I suppose Joe, Joe probably knows what a woman is. However, I, I, I doubt Joe spent any time sniffing the hair of transgender female doctor and admiral Rachel Levine. But then again, uh, Joe's so brain-addled, well, you just never really know. Well, anyway, I, I wish to begin by saying that everything I'm going to share with you today is my opinion, or should I say it's my considered opinion. I haven't uh, gone on a wild stream of consciousness today about what's going on in the country, but I've been thinking about these issues for some time. They are my opinions. Now, as you probably know, I read extensively, and I've borrowed thoughts and opinions from others. I even read the heretics in the New York Times and the Washington Post. But I just wanted to say this going into today's show. Next, just one other housekeeping item. I I, want to say once again, I'm thrilled to be back here on America Out Loud. I thank my dear friend Malcolm Out Loud for the opportunity to participate. I sincerely hope you're, you're taking full advantage of this incredible conservative resource that is America Out Loud. The people who've stepped up, stepped forward to speak out on America Out Loud are collectively a Noah's Ark of incredible personalities, perspectives, and thought leaders in conservative ideas. In my lifetime, I, I, don't, I can honestly say I've never witnessed such an assemblage of conservative thought in a one place. Well, okay, now, now that we've cleared the deck, allow me next to ask you if you're familiar with the serenity prayer. Yeah, the serenity prayer. My, my wife turned me on to it about well, probably 45 years ago. You probably remember, I'll go ahead and share it with you. It goes, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things that I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. 
Now, there's three key principles. First one is serenity, which is calm, peaceful, or an untroubled uh, feeling. The next one is courage, and the final one is wisdom, quite, quite ex- self-explanatory. My problem, or cross throughout the years, has been the curse of being a perfectionist or trying to be a perfectionist. Now, I'm pretty sure that no one ever really makes it to the goal of being a perfectionist. Now, some of us believe the pursuit of perfection is an innate gift bestowed upon very few. But others of us know it's, it's more like a disease that, if not controlled, can consume your life and create great mischief with relationships. Now, I'll confess, I've had a problem of getting to just 90% done on any given problem or issue and stopping right there. You've probably heard the expression, perfect is the enemy of good. In other words, people who strive for perfection are actually their own worst enemy. They're so busy trying to make everything perfect, looking for the best solution, that they, they don't notice when simple progress on an issue might make a bigger difference than perfection itself. Moreover, the pursuit of perfection can cause a lot of anxiety and depression. I take it from my own personal experience. Trying to do everything with 99 or 100% perfection is a fool's errand. So 80% is good. In fact, it's the economically best for most problems confronting us. Why, you might ask? Because the additional cost in time and money to get to 99% or 100% is extremely effort and time intensive. And there are valid reasons to argue it's just not worth all the extra effort. However, there are times in mathematics and in engineering, aerospace, etc. that 100% is mandatory. Nevertheless, most of us aren't often confronted with these kinds of vexing problems. So I suggest that when confronted with a political, social, or cultural issue or problem, the first thing you have to do is to reasonably decide if it's a problem you have any control over. Yes, control. By example, take the act of voting. Voting is supposed to yield a desired outcome. It represents your voice in a contest of wills. Does my vote really count? Do I really have any control over who makes up the voting rules and forces me to live according to the results? Do I have any control over the integrity of the process? I'm just one person, and although I can't stand the current elected officials or the candidates running in the race, I can't see how my vote is going to make a hill of beans of difference in the outcome. In fact, I I believe the outcome is rigged. This is exactly what the Democrats want you to believe, even though they know we believe they're the ones rigging it. Now, if you think it's rigged, regardless of who rigged it, you're far less likely to go vote. They want us to believe we have no control. The Democrat, by hook or crook, is going to win. And that's pretty much the results, if you've noticed, the last four years. So we find ourselves willing to use this as an excuse not to vote. Well, let's, let's go back to the serenity prayer for a moment, shall we? God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. 
the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. I can't change how voting is set up. I don't have the courage to change the system. Or more likely, I don't know where to begin with changing the voting system so that it had greater integrity. And since I believe the system is rigged, or others also won't take the time to go vote, the wisdom out of the serenity prayer appears to be that I should just forget it, just chill out. But perhaps it's too easy to accept the things we believe we have no control over and take the lazy way out. I'm no longer accepting the things I cannot change. Instead, I'm changing the things I can no longer accept. And a dishonest and rigged voting system is an excellent place to start. Now, my, I sincerely believe we've, we've got to change the way we think from accepting the idea that everything in politics is out of our control to thinking about the things we can no longer accept and set off to do something about it. For me in general, I can no longer accept that America can't be great again. I can no longer accept that America is on a downward slide, that the age of prosperity is over for America, that globalization is going to to level us off and, and we're going to fit the global average instead of lead the world in prosperity. And I don't know. I, why should I care? I mean, why, Andy? Why, why should you care? I mean, listen, I'm 73. I'm, a rec- I'm recovering from breast cancer surgery, radiation therapy. My second leukemia is currently in remission. Thank the Lord. And allow me to thank you for, for your prayers for my recovery. But, but why, why shouldn't I just sit back, travel with my, my wife, and, and just take it easy? I mean, I've done so many things through my life. There's some things I would definitely go back and change, some things I would have gotten more involved with earlier. But let's face it, I'm 73. How many more years do I have? How much energy do I have? Why should I even care? Believe me, I'm not fooled that I'm going to live another 10 or 15 years. But why would I betray the values that have guided my life for the last 73 years? Why should, why should you give up at any point along the way now? These are values I've helped my wife pass on to our children. So what values are those, you ask? Well, yes, I'm a conservative, but they're the same Judeo-Christian values you probably live your life by. By the way, the term Judeo-Christian values, uh, just for a historical moment here, emerged as the descriptor of, of the United States in the 1930s when we sought to forge a unified cultural identity in an attempt to distinguish ourselves from fascism and the growing communist atheism in Europe. Now, here in the United States, this term Judeo-Christian values, was widely used during the Cold War in an attempt once again to suggest that the United States had a unified American identity. And I think we pretty much did at the time, which was opposed to communism in particular, the Cold War. Unfortunately, in the 1970s, the term became particularly associated with the American Christian right. And I say unfortunately because the American Christian right has been vilified by the progressive Democrats, or as I call them, the American Marxists, 
the Democrat Party, and in general by the political left for years now. In fact, the last 10 years, the left has attempted to convert the American economy to one socialist or quasi-socialist wealth distribution system while at the same time killing capitalism or wealth creation that has been forged through merit and individualism. I know, I digress, but importantly, why should you care if it was once our shared culture and it's being hijacked by the left and turned woke? Yes, why should you care? I mean, you know you're going to get pummeled if you even inquisitively ask a question about what the Democrat Party has been up to these past 10 years. Uh, uh, If you ask a question, you're going to be culture canceled right away and have no end of grief in your life. You can't even voice these kinds of concerns to family because, you know, people don't, they don't read today. They don't study anything. Everything, our world today is so distracted that we're all headline experts. We read the headline and we infer the rest of the story, especially if we have confirmation bias in it. It fits how we think about a certain thing or feel about a certain thing. But if you ask a second and third and fourth question about any given topic, you'll find people often can't have a discussion with you because they really don't know anything. They just have suppositions they, they share with you they've heard other people talk about, and they get very mad if you ask that third and fourth question for which they don't really have a good answer. So it's just better to keep your mouth shut. But if you're on the political left, that's really different. Well, uh, you know, they're not bothered about saying the most outlandish things. And you know these things can't be true, but you don't dare get hooked into challenging them. So I'm no longer accepting the things I cannot change. I've sort of rejected that part of this serenity prayer. I'm, I'm changing the things I can no longer accept. And I'm starting by telling you I will not accept that America can't be great again. I refuse to accept that America will eventually become a socialist nation. Now, allow me to share with you House Resolution 9 that passed in the GOP-led Congress just the other day. This resolution is entitled, Denouncing the Horrors of Socialism. I don't know who came up with that title. I guess it's sort of a catchy title. This bill was introduced by Representative uh, Maria Salazar. She's down in Miami, and, and she, uh, she replaced a, a Democrat. Uh, she held a seat a couple of terms ago. She lost it to Donna Shalala, if you remember her. And um, she won it this last time going around. And, and she said she introduced this bill because 44% of Americans believe the Communist Manifesto is better than the Declaration of Independence. And that, that tracks pretty much with, with the polls, particularly as you come closer to the current generation, who has a very perverted idea about capitalism, socialism, totalitarianism, and a host of other sort of political systems. And as I said, she represents Miami, which is sort of the world capital of communist refugees fling from the, the socialist systems in Cuba and Venezuela and the Southern Hemisphere, but in many other parts of the world as well. Now, Maria Salazar grew up in Fidel Castro's Cuba, where she experienced the deprivation of basic essentials 
that has historically been part and parcel of socialist states like Cuba. Now, the resolution isn't that long, so allow me to read it to you. Whereas socialist ideology necessitates a concentration of power that has time and time again collapsed into communist regimes, totalitarian rule, and brutal dictatorships. And before going on to the next item in this resolution, let me just say what they're saying on this is that things start off as a socialist ideology or a concentration of power that eventually collapses into more totalitarian styles of rule and brutal dictatorships and communist regimes. Now, the second part of this resolution is whereas socialism has repeatedly led to famine and mass murders and the killing of over 100 million people worldwide, whereas many of the greatest crimes in history were committed by socialist ideologues, including Vladimir Lenin, Joseph Stalin, Mao Zedong, Fidel Castro, Pol Pot, Kim Jong-il, Kim Jong-un, Daniel Ortega, Hugo Chavez, and Nicolas Maduro. Whereas tens of millions died in the Bolshevik Revolution, and at least 10 million people were sent to the gulags and the Union of the Soviet Socialist Republics, and millions more starved in the terror famine in Ukraine. Whereas 15 million and 55 million people starved to death in the wake of famine and devastation caused by the Great Leap Forward in China. Whereas the socialist experiment in Cambodia led to the killing fields in which over a million people were gruesomely murdered. Whereas up to three and a half million people have starved in North Korea. Whereas the Castro regime in Cuba expropriated the land of Cuban farmers and businesses of Cuban entrepreneurs, stealing their possessions and their livelihoods, and exiling millions with nothing but the clothes on their backs. Whereas the implementation of socialism in Venezuela has turned a once prosperous nation into a failed state with the world's largest and highest rate of inflation. Whereas the United States of America was founded on the belief in the sanctity of the individual, to which the collectivistic system of socialism in all of its forms is fundamentally and necessarily opposed, now therefore be resolved by the House of Representatives, the Senate concurring, that the Congress denounces socialism in all its forms and opposes the implementation of socialist policies in the United States of America. Now, the GOP House of Representatives voted on this resolution on February 2nd of this year. So with 435 representatives in the House, just to be clear, there's 213 Democrats and 222 Republicans. So, so how did the vote go? Well, you would assume it would pass, and it did. It passed in a bipartisan fashion, 327 to 86. 327 to 86. All Republicans and 109 Democrats voted in favor of the measure. Let me repeat that. All the Republicans and 109 Democrats voted in favor of denouncing uh, socialism. Thirteen Democrats voted present with sort of a chicken's way out saying, I'm not going to vote no, I'm not going to vote yes, but I'm here. 
and five Democrats were absent uh, from the chamber altogether. As you may know, uh, McCarthy has changed voting. There's no more proxy voting where you can vote from home. You have to be in the chamber to vote. But in other words, 86 Democrats rejected this revolution in favor of socialism. That's really the major takeaway from this. 13 Democrats were present in the chamber but refused to vote one way or the other, and five Democrats were absent. Now, in short, 41% of Democrats rejected denouncing the horrors of socialism as written in this resolution, whereas 100% of Republicans voted to denounce socialism. I found this just shocking. I mean, who's talking about this major problem where you have 40% of Democrats, and this is the, the controlling element in the Democrat Party, by the way, These are the people, these are the progressives and the quasi-Marxists that are leading uh, the charge, that are getting Biden to do the things that he's doing, and all the things that we see in trying to turn our country towards socialism. But I I found this just absolutely appalling. Should I ask God to grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, like the country moving towards socialism? Or do I ask for the courage to change the things I can I'm no longer accepting the things I cannot change. I'm changing the things I can no longer accept. And I'm starting by telling you I will not accept that America not be great again. I will not accept that America's new mantra is diversity, equity, and inclusion. I will not accept that we are no longer a meritocracy where hard work and effort make a difference in in how we progress in our, our careers and our lives. Let me say a few words about meritocracy. I believe the majority, if not all of you listening today, have worked hard, even putting an extra effort for the whatever wealth and benefits that you have. I doubt anyone listening today has achieved anything worth note by being a freeloader or by having government pay your way. Furthermore, I bet that most of you have generously given of your time and resources to those who honestly are less fortunate through no fault of their own. Did, did you in high school or college, did instructors give you A's just for attendance instead of giving you a mark for the time and energy you put into a course? You know when you got a C in a course, you didn't give it your all. Did you get that promotion at work because you're more physically attractive? Well, forget that one. A study showed that this actually happens, but... Put that aside, we'd like to believe that promotions and increasing levels of authority and responsibility are given to those who put in the extra time and extra study and through experience have come to merit that. In short, we want to believe we've advanced on merit. We teach our children to study and to play hard to the best of their ability, to the best of their ability. Each of us doesn't have the same ability, but we have abilities and other things other people don't. We find those throughout our life. We excel at those. And believe me, children have loads of abilities. But to Democrats, merit is an evil concept. It's antithetical to equity or equal outcomes. Equity, the way the Democrats use it, 
takes all the incentives out of living your life. So, so how has the left, or should I say the Democrats, gone about installing their concept of equal outcomes and fairness? By now you've heard of the 19-plus high schools in Northern Virginia who withheld National Merit Scholar Awards from select students in their schools that scored in the top 3% nationally on the PSAT because they didn't want the other 97% who didn't achieve this honor to feel bad. So we're, this, is, this is social. This is leveling everything, equal outcomes. Nobody gets honors beyond ridiculous. Let's look at the police department in Memphis, Tennessee. Now we've all heard about the tragic death of a black man by five black police officers in early January. You know, the Memphis Police Department has over 2,000 officers currently employed, but they, they need another 500 officers to fully staff their department. Now, with all the negative publicity about being a cop, recruitment has been nearly impossible. Their solution? Lower the standards for entry into the police academy. Now, the standard used to be that you had to have an associate's degree, a two-year degree from college, and at least five years of continuous employment. The employment was about showing a responsibility that you could make it to a job, that you had continuous employment. And the associate's degree was really to show that you put an effort toward improving yourself. Well, they, they did away with this requirement. And they also decided to look the other way if you had committed a nonviolent uh, non felony. Now, two of these five officers that allegedly are involved in the death of this man, they've been on the force less than two years. They came, on, came into the unit under these new lowered standards. How, how has that worked out for them? For me, I'm no, I'm no longer accepting the things I cannot change. I'm changing the things I can no longer accept. And I'm starting by telling you that I will not accept that America can't be great again. Well. This should come as no surprise. I'm sure you know just about what time it is right about now. Well, it's about time to hear from Kamala or Kamala or Vice President Harris. It is time for us to do what we have been doing, and that time is every day. Every day it is time for us to take a break, a very short break, and then it's time to come right back because every day it's time to come back and to hear the rest of the story. And do I have a lot of important information? You'll be happy you made the time to come back and hear. So hit the head, hit the fridge, and hurry right back. You know you're loved here on the Frankly Daniel Show, and I'm not kidding. For 40 years, alarmists have been warning of a climate catastrophe, yet none of their dire predictions have come true. Temperatures have not soared, sea level rise has not been unusual, and extreme weather events have not increased in either frequency or intensity. In short, there is no climate emergency. For 15 years, the International Climate Science Coalition has led the call for climate realism and a Made in America climate plan, a plan based on real science that responds to the real world needs of Americans, supports economic growth, and strengthens our essential infrastructure 
a plan that protects the environment and ensures that Americans can enjoy the blessings of clean air, clean land, and clean water for generations to come. It's time to put ideology and pseudoscience aside. It's time for a sensible climate plan. For more information or to donate, visit our website, icsc-climate.com. Trouble getting to sleep and staying asleep is infuriating. Your mind races, you toss and turn, and the harder you try, the harder it is to drift off. And today's fast-paced digital age makes it tougher. You're not alone. Poor sleep affects over 70% of us. The CDC even labeled insufficient sleep a public health epidemic. Advanced Nutrition Company, Healthy Cell, created REM sleep to help you quickly fall asleep, stay asleep, sleep deep, and wake refreshed. Unlike other supplements that don't work, REM sleep is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients, supporting all four stages of sleep using calming herbs, amino acids, and sleep hormone support. Over a thousand reviews with an average star rating of over 4.4 proves it works. Take back your sleep. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. Here on America Out Loud, we emphasize optimal health, and air is the most essential element for life. The average person inhales over 35 pounds of air every day. Yet we seldom think about how to rid the air of pathogens swiftly and safely when we need to. The Genesis Fogger Plus HOCL is the only way to quickly and naturally restore air to its optimal condition. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud for a free ebook on everything you need to know about HOCL and receive a 15% discount on the Genesis Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you'll be ready for what's next. We are fighting the ultimate fight between good and evil. AmericaOutloud.com replaces groupthink with innovative think. Well, it was Walt Whitman, the poet, who said, Keep your face always toward the sunshine, and shadows will fall behind you. America Out Loud Talk Radio. The liberty and justice for all. Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Frankly Daniel Show. Now, I take it you've been following the Chinese balloon as it travels across the country at an altitude of about 60,000 feet. Um, it, it seems that Joe Biden has not been able to get his military to shoot this balloon down, even though it, uh, it's pretty unusual to have a spy craft like this floating across an adversary's country with us not doing anything about it. But even out there in Montana or wherever this happens to be floating over, or it was anyway, now it's moving east, it, it seems that the military was worried about this thing crashing on somebody's head. Now, I think the population density of where this balloon was when it became most noticeable was about one human being every 400,000 miles. So I don't know who they thought this was going to drop on, maybe a cow and that probably would have been okay in Joe Biden's world because he's trying to get rid of the cows anyway because of all the methane they supposedly release, adding to Joe's fiction of a climate catastrophe anywhere in the next two or three years. But I'm quite sure that the Sunday programs will have 
all kinds of details about this balloon and who told whom to shoot this down and refused to shoot it down. And there's going to be a GOP investigation. And there's probably some classified documents floating around already about this uh, stupid balloon that we can't seem to make our mind up what we're doing about it. In any event, the theme of this second half of the Frankly Daniel show follows this same change of attitude toward accepting the things that we cannot change. And as I said in the first part, I'm no longer accepting the things I cannot change. I'm changing the things I can no longer accept. And I'm starting by telling you I will not accept that America can't be great again. I do not accept. I will not accept that affirmative action or lowering objective admission standards in education is a fair, just, or an effective way to advance America's worldwide competitiveness. Now, as you know, the federal policy of affirmative action in employment was struck down years ago because it was unconstitutional, but it was maintained in education for some bizarre belief that having a diverse campus was somehow a benefit to people. This gave colleges the latitude in selecting minority applicants of color over more qualified white and Asian applicants, and most notably the minority group that was uh, advanced over other more qualified people were African Americans. Now, this was thought to be a way to accelerate the deficit of these mostly black applicants into higher education. But the evidence has been clear for quite some time. Affirmative action has been a massive failure. You say, where's the evidence? Well, for instance, take the Supreme Court justices. Ketanji Brown Jackson, the associate justice who was nominated by Joe Biden to fulfill his obligation to Representative Clyburn of South Carolina that if Joe got a pick, he would go ahead and above all the other equal justice laws went ahead and decided that they'd go forward with a African-American female as the nominee. Now, Justice Jackson was one of only five qualified African-American women to be nominated. They really couldn't find more than about five at six, maybe, in stretching it. Now, how is it that after 60 years of affirmative action, the White House could only name five black females who were qualified to be nominated for a Senate confirmation trial. Can all of this be attributed to racism? I mean, I think not. The, the Biden policy to pay down student loans has also revealed some interesting facts. So we're finding that black students, more so than white students, withdraw from college before graduation, and they're burdened with student loan debt without the benefit of a college degree. Why does this happen? Why don't they stay and finish? Why is it their indebtedness? How does that become our problem to pay off? And if we don't go ahead and subscribe to that or roll over and say yes, that that's somehow racist. I just, I do not accept that it's my responsibility or obligation to help pay off the student loans of others because Joe Biden has declared COVID-19 as a pandemic emergency that gives him the power 
to burden us with other people's student loans? And how is it that people of color don't really include Asians anymore unless it's convenient to talk about it politically? Somehow Asians aren't part of a minority group. And discriminating against Asians when it comes to education uh, isn't racism somehow. This has come up time and again when Asians are, are getting into gifted high school programs or into elite colleges like Harvard and Yale. Is it that Asian Americans are somehow genetically brilliant or on average? Is it that they just work harder at their studies than others of us? That somehow their parents push their children to do their homework? Oh, there, there are so many questions. The political left says it's due to structural racism against blacks and that Asians have to be pushed aside even though they do so much better on objective measures of intellectual aptitude or ability and accomplishment. They have to be put aside to allow African Americans, and sometimes they talk about Hispanics, but rarely about African Americans because of structural racism. I don't understand how structural racism doesn't include Asian Americans and Hispanic Americans. Most certainly these groups have been victims of organized racism in the past. And just because, I mean, let, let's face it, there's not an African American today that in three or four generations has really faced slavery. And it's certainly nobody's been in, in slavery during the 60 years of affirmative action. So once again, how does the left correct for this structural racism against blacks? Well, they want to do away with any objective measure of intellectual aptitude, as I said, or ability. Even now, the top medical and law schools have recently announced that they're no longer going to participate in the annual U.S. News and World Report on the top medical and law schools. Why not? That's because they've gone woke. They are no longer requiring objective academic test scores or grade point averages as a basis for admission. They value diversity, equity, and inclusion over meritocracy and objective, measurable aptitude tests for admission. Well, okay, imagine undergoing a complicated surgery in the future by a surgeon who was selected for medical school based on their skin color. Now, we all may end up quite lucky and have found a gem, but then again, there's no guarantee of that. And I suppose you could say just because they had great MedScat scores and, and grade point averages, that that didn't necessarily make them a great surgeon. And I would accept that. But I think if you average it all out, it's a very strange way to go. And no, I do not accept that because I was born white, I'm therefore by nature a racist. I do not accept that black lives matter more or less than any other human being's skin color. Black may be beautiful, but black is just one set of shades and in no way has it cornered the entire spectrum of beauty. But until recently, if you said on social media that blue lives matter too, meaning police officers' lives matter, you were swiftly suspended from the platform if you didn't immediately retract your post. This was deemed a racial slur, and heaven forbid if you were to post... White Lives Matter. 
I do not accept that people of color are due preferred status in special privileges, in social standing, employment, or government benefits because of alleged prior white privilege, white supremacy, or racism. This is the Democrats pushing equity, not equality under the law. I ask you, how is it that white males have become the problem in America? Now, I'm not looking to become controversial or to solicit hate mail or raise or lower any person's status in America. I just am very confused as to what's happened in the last 10 years. And it's not that all of a sudden I got knocked from my perch as a white male. I love humanity. I have a whole career serving humanity in healthcare. I love humanity and all of it. It's just some people I have a bone to pick with. Yes, it's my opinion. I said so at the start. But I think there's great harm if we continue on this path where every aspect of life gets shoved into a mold of diversity, equity, and inclusion. I'll give you, for instance, once again, my perspective. I do not accept that hiring a vice president or senior director of diversity, equity, and inclusion in every department of human resources is necessary or helpful to employees of any ethnic or racial background. We have an extensive, well-developed, and heavily tested set of national and state civil rights and employment laws and equal opportunity laws. Not equal equity, there's no such thing, but equal opportunity laws. We have unions who are supposed to protect workers' rights. Well, let me exclude the teachers' unions. They don't seem to be protecting anybody's rights except their political leadership. We have civil rights wing in our weaponized Department of Justice. We're supposed to have equal, not equity, civil rights in America. Again, I, I no longer accept the things that I cannot change. I'm changing the things I can no longer accept. And yes, I'm still starting by telling you I will not accept that America can't be great again. I do not accept that I or my family, who legally came to the United States in the 1930s, must pay reparations to African Americans on the chance that they might have had a distant relative who happened to be a slave some hundreds of years ago. Here's a fact. And I... I've researched this extensively. We are all immigrants on this earth. Even the Native Americans came from somewhere else. Yes, even the American Indian is a migrant. The American Indian didn't just magically appear out of the ground some 500 years ago. All of Europe was populated by migrants, as was every other continent. Now, given the pervasiveness of human slavery... If Ancestry.com could trace our genetics back 4,000 years, I am convinced that every one of us has a genetic family member who was a slave to some human master long ago on the timeline. Does this mean once our technology is able to trace these events that we should all sue for reparations? So who do we sue? No, no, I'm no longer accepting the things I cannot change. I'm changing the things I can no longer accept. How about abortion? 
I do not accept that unlimited abortion at any gestational age and for any reason or no reason at all is an ethical, moral, or spiritual way for American society to progress. Our current dilemma of not birthing enough Americans to replace ourselves going forward is a death nail for our country. I do not accept that we are safe, secure, and a sovereign nation under Joe Biden. The political left solution to our low birth rate, Joe Biden's policies are all geared to open our borders to all comers, to any comers, without vetting from up to 170 different nations. Does anyone seriously dispute that we're less safe today from foreign terrorism than we were under Donald Trump's presidency? Remember, 19 foreign terrorists here illegally caused 9-11. Allow me to play a clip for you from the recent Judiciary Committee in the House, uh, their hearings on some of the problems we're having with immigration. Here's Mr. Buck. Since President Biden took office, we have seen a tremendous surge in the terrorist watch list arrests at the southern border. There were two terrorist watch list arrests in fiscal year 2017, six in 2018, zero in 2019, three in 2020. In 2021, President Biden's first year in office, terror watch list arrests surged to 15. In 2022, there were 98 terrorists arrested at the southern border. In this fiscal year so far, there have been 38 arrests. According to Border Patrol, there have been approximately 1.2 million known gotaways since President Biden took office. In November alone, 73,000 border crossers evaded overwhelmed Border Patrol agents but were detected by other forms of surveillance. These crossers are known as gotaways. Often these border crossers are evading being caught by border patrol because they have a criminal record or contraband to hide, unlike most migrants who cross with the explicit intention to meet border patrol. You have to remember there's a 1.2 million people have crossed into the country illegally that are called gotaways. Nobody has any idea who these people are. Many of them could be on this terror watch list, too. Why not when you consider the huge bump there's already been in these people? We have enough people to have have committed 9-11 four or five times already. Well, they may have not had the same capabilities as the original terrorist in 9-11, but who would hold them less capable of terror in some form? Now, the same day as Mr. Buck's testimony in the Judiciary Committee, on these gotaways and and the people on the terror watch list. There was a report by Bill Malusian, who's a Fox reporter down along the border, about an Iranian that was on the terror watch list that was caught by the Texas state troopers, not by Border Patrol or the FBI or anybody, but was caught a a week or so prior to that. And I'm going to play that clip uh, for you right now of Bill Malusian. This is a television clip, so there's, you know, he's giving you video along with his narration. But you'll get the drift. 
Morning to you. I can confirm that the arrest of this Iranian national happened last week, and it all began with a Texas DPS traffic stop, which we have video of. Take a look at this dash cam video showing a Texas trooper pulling over a human smuggler on a Texas highway near Del Rio last Monday. They get into the car. They find five illegal immigrants being smuggled inside. The driver was an American from Houston. Several of the men were being smuggled hidden in the back of the trunk. You'll notice one guy has a red hoodie on. He ended up being the Iranian national who was being smuggled in the back of that trunk. And we've got a closer look at him. Take a look at these images. This is 29-year-old Ali Reza Hadari. He's an Iranian national, and according to his Iranian passport, he was born in Tehran. I'm told Border Patrol then arrived and did their standard background checks with federal databases running all the names. And at that point, multiple law enforcement sources tell me Hadari's name and date of birth flagged as a match on the FBI's terror watch list. I'm told federal law enforcement then got involved, ran more checks, and confirmed that his name was a match on the list. I'm told the FBI is now the lead on this case and is now handling this case. And what's going to happen next is federal law enforcement will continue to do more vetting and more checks to figure out exactly why Hadari is on the FBI's terror watch list, which again is a database of known or suspected terrorists. Now keep in mind, uh, this guy was caught by Texas law enforcement, not by federal law enforcement, not by Border Patrol. He had already gotten into the United States. In the four months of this fiscal federal year, we're already up to 40 people that have been captured that are on the terror watch list. Isn't that remarkable? Well, time is short, and I'm going to move away from immigration, but I'll come back to it next week. There's so much to be said about that. Remember, I'm no longer accepting the things I cannot change. I'm changing the things I can no longer accept. I do not accept that fossil fuels are evil and that I must accept a lower standard of life in order to buckle under to green energy zealots. I do not accept that my gasoline-powered cars are destroying the planet. And if I don't stop using fossil fuels, that I should suffer government-imposed restrictions on my life and mobility, including where I could live, work, and worship. An attack on fossil fuels is an assault on our quality of life. Surely you can see that. It's an attack on our prosperity, our freedom and liberty, and our pursuit of happiness. All of these things are guaranteed in our Constitution. But I forgot, it's the Constitution the left's trying to get rid of. They'd like to tear up that whole uh, U.S. Constitution and start anew in their own image. Yes, I can accept living responsibly toward our air and water quality, but that's not what the Democrats and Joe Biden are up to by any stretch of anyone's imagination. Again, I'm no longer accepting the things that I cannot change. I'm changing the things I can no longer accept. I do not accept that unless I wear a face mask when told by the government, any government, that I should be denied the benefit of health care. Furthermore, I do not accept any future government demand that I or any of my family must be vaccinated with an emergency use vaccine. I do not accept, nor will I subject my children to such authoritarian abuse. The COVID-19 vaccine isn't and never was a conventional vaccine. It didn't prevent you from contracting COVID-19, nor did it prevent the spread of COVID-19. In truth, 
in my opinion, it was a prophylactic or a therapeutic agent, possibly lessening the degree of illness and hospitalization. But the National Institutes of How to Die from COVID-19 and the Center for Disease Disinformation misled us about who was at risk of severe illness from COVID-19. And they did this even after they knew the truth of the matter. It was the elderly, the obese, and the immunologically compromised individuals. Those were the people at greatest risk. Children under 13 were never at risk of severe COVID-19 illness, and young males were at, at an unacceptable risk of heart disease from this COVID-19 vaccine, as we're finding out now. Furthermore, I will not accept the shutdown of my children's schools by teachers' unions acting in concert with an authoritarian Democratic Party group of activists and government bureaucrats. This was an evil idea from the start and totally political. To date, there is no, like none, like there is no data to support locking down schools provided any health benefit to children. In fact, it did quite the opposite. Okay, I'll calm down, but just a little bit. Remember, I am no longer accepting the things I cannot change. I'm changing the things I can no longer accept. And I will not accept any advice or information from the Center for Disease Control, the NIH, or the Food and Drug Administration without a healthy triple dose of skepticism. Dr. Anthony Fauci and Dr. Rochelle Walensky of the CDC did more damage to our faith in public health than anyone could have possibly predicted in their wildest imagination. And they don't get a pass. They knew they were blowing smoke at us every step of the way and demanding we comply or suffer economic, social health care and legal consequences. How many millions of people were fired from their jobs? How did we tolerate crippling our military, our defense, in the name of the idiots running COVID-19 vaccines and therapeutics under the Biden administration? And face it, until recently, if you made scientifically accurate and true claims about COVID-19, you'd likely get banned from major social media like Twitter or Facebook and branded a dangerous conspiracy theorist, or worse yet, a terrorist. I do not accept provenly false claims that millions of American youngsters are born to prefer a different gender identity than their birth sex. I do not accept that biologic males identifying as gendered females should be allowed to compete against biologic females in athletic events. No, I do not accept that millions upon millions of illegal aliens racing across our border are all fleeing their original countries as political refugees or refugees escaping climate change in their home nations when in fact they're coming here for economic benefits. Many of those we provide free. I do not accept the lie perpetuated by the Homeland Security Secretary, that we live in a secure and sovereign America. I do not accept this, nor as long as Joe Biden and Democrats are in charge of our borders, will I ever accept it. 
I do not accept that I must tolerate the deaths of tens of thousands of young Americans due to fentanyl poisoning because Democrats refuse to secure our border and punish nations and criminal organizations that prey upon us. I do not accept that we've allowed China to hold us a pharmacological hostage because we no longer produce even the simplest of products like Tylenol in America. I do not accept that law enforcement is corrupt and inherently evil and must be grossly curtailed and stripped of their authority to enforce the law. I do not accept that criminals are basically good people and deserve repeated chances to violate the law and their fellow citizens. I do not accept that the federal government should set standards for all police officers nationally, nor will I accept that officers should be stripped of qualified immunity. We don't have a police behavior problem in America. We have a massive and growing problem of unchecked crime and let-loose criminals. I do not accept Democrats are saving democracy or that they have the faintest idea what a true democratic republic is and how it should function. I do not accept that woke will eventually win the day. I believe my vote counts and your vote counts and that I by the natural law of free speech and the First Amendment, that we have the ability to reasonably convince others to join us in forging a new path for America and to reject everything the Democrat Party stands for and is attempting to do to America. In closing, let me say again, I don't think Joe Biden is going to make it to the end of his current presidential term. And I think there's plenty of reasons why that won't happen. And I think he will take a health care off-ramp. And yes, this likely means that Kamala Harris will step into the presidency sometime in 2024 before the 2024 presidential election. And this is going to present the Democrat Party with a huge dilemma. I'm planning on detailing and handicapping the 2024 presidential race next week. Thank you so much for spending your time with me today. God bless you. You've been listening to The Frankly Daniel Show.